Greetings fellow captains and welcome back to Rank Amateur. Today in Rank Amateur we will be doing the Tier 8 Premium European Destroyer the Orcan. Or Orcan or something. It's Polish, okay I'm probably not pronouncing it correctly, but it's uh, Polish for Hurricane. And so it's, uh, it's going to be a shorter episode today because I don't have a whole lot of time to uh, record unfortunately. I'm pulling currently like 60 to 80 hour weeks with college and stuff like that. So it's been very tough for me to get time to do things. Things. Anyways, uh, it's been a long time since I've touched World of Warships, and it's been a long time since I have recorded here, so uh, we'll have to get back into the swing of things, so news will be a bit brief. And this is even though tons of things have happened, I just don't want to bore you guys with all the news that you're probably already well acclimated to. So, for those of you who maybe haven't been playing World of Warships in, uh, we'll say, a little while, maybe this will be just a brief overview. And man, boy, do I have to scroll far back. I have to scroll back all the way to August 28th, the last time that I uploaded. Uh, yeah, it's it's been a little while. So, uh, yeah, I mean, there's only been one update, actually, that's occurred in this time. And uh, that is update uh, 12.8 that has uh, occurred. Uh, this is the 8th anniversary of World of Warships update, so, I mean, it fairly important update, uh, if you will, but, um, it, it released some interesting things and some things that aren't super new. Uh, they did release a new port, which is a redesigned designer's table port, which is quite interesting. It kind of goes on with their events that they're doing, but essentially one side's kind of like a gaming room, the other side's like a laboratory, and, uh, still the third side's kind of like the, the bridge of a warship. Uh, so it's an interesting aesthetic. It, like, kind of cool. I still prefer my, uh, uh, was it Zaipangu or something like that? I forget how you pronounce it. The the Japanese one that's kind of like a made-up one that's like an idealistic version or romanticized version of Japan. Uh, so, first major update is going to be Airship es Escort has been added to random battles. I know a lot of people are looking forward to this, and some people are not really looking forward to this, but I personally don't mind it. They say they're going to be watching it to see how people are receiving it, and then it will, they will adjust to how many maps it is available on, and, uh, well, the frequency of it occurring as a random battle. Uh, currently it's going to be available on Hotspot, Islands of Ice, Sea of Fortune, Shards, Shatter, Trident, Warriors, Path, and Estuary. And so the, uh, they will be changed, uh, the spawn points will be changed on Hotspot Islands of Ice and Shards, and uh, uh, there's also an indicator that's been added to let you know when you're in the airship zone. And uh, yeah, so they'll be watching that. Uh, Dockyard is, uh, well, still going on as of now, although it's kind of winding to a close. Uh, it's going to be the first three weeks of update 12.9 that they're going to allow this to um, continue. It's essentially just a Chinese news thrashimi, it's the Lucian. Uh, and it just has deep water torpedoes, uh, mediocre guns, hydroacoustic search, and a heavy repair team. So essentially, it's like a super helix, except with a really long cooldown time. 
Uh, new battle pass. Uh, Spanish cruisers are out for everyone. Uh, different brawls, although I think they've pretty much all concluded at this point, uh, just because I'm pretty late. The bounty hunt improvements, uh, when they'll be added in uh, 12.9, um, I believe is what they... Uh, yeah, uh, actually, they said for the next few updates, they're not going to include it. So it could be a while, probably uh, early next year, I think. So essentially, there's uh, uh, different missions that they've added for uh, ships that are the bounty, uh, the targets, and the ships that are the, I guess, protectors, or uh, actually, just all the other ships for... for um, yeah, that game mode. Uh, various different uh, improvements in uh, visuals. So we got the signals. Uh, you can auto-buy them with credits now. There's new notifications, um, uh, such as personal officers, uh, behavior warnings, invitations. They, they've, uh, apparently the appearance has changed in some manner, although they don't really have an uh, example here of uh, notification. Actually, no, yes. So they do have an example. They just kind of appear on the middle of your screen rather than off to the side. Um, and they also have some settings improvements where players will now be able to change certain settings and continue navigating through other settings windows without being asked to apply changes for previous windows. So kind of a quality of life improvement. And now it will tell you uh, the currency transaction math before you make the transaction in more detail. It'll tell you how many doubloons you have left, how many credits you have left, and then how many uh, or how much free XP you have left before and after the transaction so you don't have to do that math yourself. Uh, balance changes. The only major one is that now secondary guns uh, do result Results in a detectability bloom. So uh, yeah, it does. Now this doesn't apply for smokescreen, so you will still be able to fire from complete stealth uh, with your secondary guns from a smokescreen. However, um, it will increase to the firing range of your secondary battery guns. So you know, if you're in a, a secondary battery warship that has um, 13 kilometer secondary battery range, it will increase to that range. Now, obviously, for like German battleships like Pommern and FDG and uh, Grosskirchfurst and uh, Preussen. Uh, it's not really much of a problem as their uh, detectability range already far exceeds that. But uh, just something to note for your more stealthy uh, ships. So uh, I think it really impacts like the Napoli and stuff, which I mean, it's only like I think like a half kilometer change. But yes, that will bloom your detectability uh, and you can no longer fire from stealth, which actually, no, it wouldn't impact the Napoli because Napoli's detectability far exceeds that anyways. Yeah, so it really won't impact too many ships. Just uh, be sure that when you have the Orkin, which does have a secondary battery gun, uh, that you have it turned off so you don't accidentally reveal yourself to the enemy team. And they have all sorts of events going on as well. Uh, in addition, as far as uh, other news, uh, in different camouflages you can earn, they have like the Three Kingdoms and things like that, uh, different uh, more Pan-Asian reskins of uh, different... Um, uh, Commonwealth warships and things like that. And of course, there are various visual improvements and things like that. Alright, so let's get to the actual meat of this episode, which is about the Orkin. And that's the way I'm going to be pronouncing it. I'm sorry I don't speak Polish. Polish is very different from English. And uh, yeah, so maybe I'll learn it someday, but definitely not today. Anyway, so let's get on to the history of the Orkin. So the Orkin was actually a British-designed vessel, and you can kind of see this in-game. It's very similar to HMS Lightning. Um, yeah, so that affects its gameplay in the game significantly, but uh, it, it, obviously not as much as in real life. So it was laid down on the 7th of December 1939, just after the war's beginning. Uh, it was an M-class destroyer of the Royal Navy. It was launched on the uh, 9th of March 1942, and it would... Uh, 
Lasts less than a year in British Royal Navy service as the HMS Myrmidon, which is uh, it is named after a people from Greek, a warlike tribe that uh, essentially accompanied Achilles to Troy. They were cam- commanded by Achilles. Uh, the modern definition of Myrmidon is a powerful, uh, a subordinate of a powerful person, typically one who is. Uh, unquestioning and carrying out orders so uh, i guess that definition's changed over time but yeah so she lasted about a year in uh, or a little less than a year in british royal navy service till the 8th of november 1942 when she was transferred to the polish navy or the the free polish navy in london and she would last uh, less than a year in polish service in fact uh so she was transferred to that navy in november and early December of 1942, and then spent most of her working life in the Arctic, transporting or escorting convoys to Russia. Uh, So she escorted convoy JW-53 to Russia in early 1943 and returned with convoy RA-52, and then operated as convoy escort in the North Atlantic, transferring out of the Arctic. In July of 1943, she transferred the body of Polish Supreme Chief General Wojtyslaw Sikorski, I know I'm butchering that name, I apologize to my Polish listeners if there are any, uh, from Gibraltar to England. She would spend the rest of her working life in convoy escort. Nothing really interesting happened after this until she met her demise. At 0705 hours on the 8th of October 1943, the Orkin, while serving as one of the convoy escorts for convoy sc143 or maybe that's sierra charlie 143 i don't uh, i don't know how that's supposed to be pronounced uh she was actually struck by a gnat homing torpedo from u378 while escorting the convoy and she sank with a few minutes or within a few minutes one officer and 43 crew members were rescued by hms musketeer another m-class destroyer and uh, this was actually the largest loss of life of the Polish Navy, resulting from a single incident in its entire history. And it remains that way to this day. Of her complement of 190, just 44 survived. And that reminds me, actually, I forgot to go over the specifications of this ship. As I said, it's an uh, M-Class destroyer. It displaces about 1920 long tons, the standard and 2725 long tons steep load, deep load. I said steep load, deep load. She was a rather short destroyer with a length of only 362 feet 3 inches or 110.4 meters overall. She had beam of 37 feet, a draft of 14 feet, and she had a boilers that could power with 48,000 shaft horsepower. Uh, this consisted of two Admiralty 3-drum boilers. These uh, were putting their power through two geared steam turbines which turned two shafts. The speed was kind of pedestrian 36 knots for a destroyer. Uh, Not super fast, not going to outrun anything as far as destroyers are concerned at that speed. She had a range of an impressive 5,500 nautical miles at 15 knots, meaning she could maintain speed or maintain pace with a convoy for a long period of time quite easily. As I said before, she had a complement of 190 sailors, and she did actually have some processing systems. So she had a Type 285 gunnery radar and a Type 290 air warning radar with an ASDC uh, sonar. Uh, equipped as well for submarine hunting missions. Uh, She wouldn't really do too many of those in her short lifetime. She was equipped with three twin uh, 4.7 inch or 120 millimeter standard Mark 9 dual purpose guns. These were the same guns that were equipped to most of the British Royal Navy's destroyers and used extensively as their secondary guns on their battleships. 
Uh, she had one single QF 4-inch or 102mm Mark V anti-aircraft gun, one quadruple QF 2-pounder 40mm Mark VIII AA gun, and she had two single Orlikin 20mm guns. She had two quadruple, uh, two, qu- or two quadruple, two twin 0.5 or 12.7mm Vickers Mark III anti-aircraft machine guns, and one quadruple 21-inch or 533mm torpedo tube. She could carry up to 42 depth charge. She had two racks of those and two depth charge throwers for anti-submarine operations. Uh, they weren't used that much, and uh, well, their, their lack of use would actually result in her sinking. Um, so yes, as I said before, homing torpedoes did exist in World War II, and they were used. However, they were usually a lot slower than normal torpedoes, and while they were able to maneuver, they were sort of easy to, um, you know, avoid, assuming you knew they were coming. Uh, it's all only limited use, though, this particular torpedo, the G7ES, uh, which uh, it has a name of Zorkunig, or means Wren. It's a passive acoustic torpedo employed by German U-boats during World War II. And, um, yeah, so GNAT, by the way, stands for German Navy Acoustic Torpedo. And uh, the fact that it was a passive acoustic torpedo means that it did not actually emit its own sonar signal and merely just uh, zoned in on noise that it was hearing, and or hearing's relative, picking up with its microphones, or hydrophones, actually, they would be. And it would just essentially uh, use more or less uh, rudimentary processing systems to compare the strengths of, uh, you know, the sound signals from various directions and try and adjust its trajectory to hit a target. So uh, I'd imagine something that was uh, that primitive as far as acoustic homing is concerned wouldn't really discriminate between friendly and not friendly ships. Uh, But yeah, so it would be hard to avoid, however, if you didn't know they were coming. So I imagine this was a a surprise sinking, otherwise Orkin may have taken some more evasive action to combat, uh, you know, or kind of deploy countermeasures, maybe launch some death charges to generate noise to confuse the torpedo or something like that. But they didn't see what was coming, so they, uh, yeah, they uh, got a bit the dust on that one, unfortunately. Uh, rest in peace, I suppose, to the uh, crew of that ship. And it just goes to show how sudden World War II was. Like, you could literally be sailing in the middle of the ocean and not even thinking that anyone's around you. It could be an odd time of day or something like that, and then, bam, you got a torpedo and your ship sinking. Right? Because the people inside the the, the bilge of that of the Orkin were, were essentially doomed. Uh, and since the Orkin was a relatively small destroyer, it didn't really take much to break the back of the keel and just sink the ship in, like, four minutes or whatever it was, giving absolutely no chance for the people in the engine rooms and then maybe, like, the sleeping quarters and things like that, uh, any chance of escape. So, yeah, you basically had to be on the top decks or in the gun turrets or something like that to even have a hope of escaping if you weren't uh, initially killed by a shrapnel or, you know, the just the concussive force of a torpedo going off. Oh, by the way, yeah, that's another thing that the GNATs didn't have was as large of a warhead as the normal torpedoes. So they were more effective against uh, rapidly maneuvering targets or, um, like, targets that wouldn't require a large explosive force to take out rather than a battleship, right? Because you could hit a battleship fairly easily, comparatively easily, with a torpedo rather than a destroyer. So the homing torpedo was more useful to hit those maneuvering targets uh, that didn't require as much, or didn't have as much armor to pierce through. Next up is the World of Warships section of this episode. 
Alright, so to quicken the pace of this and uh, not try to bore you guys with too many facts right off the bat, I've actually already equipped all my modifications to the organ that I currently have on the ship that I have. Now, be aware, I do only have a 10-point commander on this, skill, on this ship, uh, so 10 points of skills. Um, I don't really play European ships super often, so I, I don't haven't had as much of a chance to accumulate points um, on these uh, commanders, so... Uh, just beware. I will suggest things that you should take uh, beyond 10 points, but that is all that I currently have on my ship. So first, start off with the main battery, gun range. So you're going to have those three uh, X2 120mm 50 caliber QF Mark 9s, so uh, three turrets, two guns each. They're going to be fire up to 11.61 kilometers away. I haven't actually modified that from the original, so that will be what you get bone stock. They have a reload time of 4.5 seconds, which for tier 8 feels a bit long, it really does. Um, these guns are pretty good, they they do hit decently hard, although they are only 120 millimeters and they have that 4.5 second reload time, so it feels it feels a bit long, to be honest. 180 degree turn time, though? That's not that long. 9 seconds on these, so 20 degrees a second. So, for for destroyer guns, it's, it's manageable. I mean, it still is a bit longer. I usually like to see that around the 6 second range, but you know, 9 seconds is manageable. Just make sure you have your guns pointed in the right direction when you're going into a duel, because in 9 seconds, half your HP will be gone. Anyways, so the accuracy is going to be a 2.0 Sigma, maximum dispersion horizontal is 95 meters, maximum dispersion vertical is 57 meters, which does feel pretty mediocre still. Uh, you're going to fire a 62 pound, uh, 120 millimeter HE shell, the raw DPM is going to be 140,000, so not too too bad for tier 8, maximum damage of 1750 per shell, initial shell velocity of a kind of atrocious 774 meters a second. Anytime we see anything below 800 meters a second, we begin to question our life choices. These, this is the Polish space program as far as shells are concerned. You can fire this thing pretty much uh, to low Earth orbit. I wouldn't be surprised if this thing took out satellites. Um, so the shell weight is going to be 28 kilograms. Of course, no ricochet because it's an HE shell. Depth explosion of 2 meters. HE penetration of a measly 20 millimeters. So you're only going to be uh, taking out... Uh, was it um, superstructures on battleships? You're not going to be really piercing any, uh, well, actually any other armor at all uh, on any battleships here. And you're going to struggle to deal with cruisers with the HE shells. Burn probability though is kind of nice. It's going to be 10% per salvo. That is 46.9%, and that means 6.25 fires a minute. So most of your HE shell damage is going to come from fires. So you're going to have a 120mm AP shell, also 62 pounds. Uh, raw DPM is going to be 180,000, which certainly isn't anything to scoff at. Maximum damage is 2,250. The same atrocious shell velocity is 774 meters a second, 28 kilogram shell weight. Ricochet angles of 45 to 60 degrees. Depth explosion of 1 meter overmatch of 8 millimeters. Th arming threshold of 20 millimeters. And a shortened fuse timer of just not 0.1 seconds. The aiming sectors here are absolutely atrocious. Actually, forwards, they're not too bad. Really, it's it's not too bad forwards. Um, the third turret does get around quite well. Uh, these are all 360-degree turrets, by the way. Um, so it is really nothing to scoff at heading forward. However, when you're trying to kite away, my god, is it bad. You basically have to give full broadside to get these guns off. It is actually atrocious for a destroyer. Um, yeah, so it, it is a bit disappointing there. The torpedoes are even more disappointing. Now, they are fast. They do 76 knots. These things zip through the water, and it only has a 70-second reload time. However, 
uh, with the good comes a lot of bad. So notably, you only have one launcher, and the reason for that is you have this dumb secondary gun um, that is quoted in World of Warships uh, wiki. If I uh, pull the wiki up, oh, actually, never mind. It is uh, uh, based on the in-game description, but yeah. So it basically says the secondary gun may surprise people. Or no, there's a premium shop description. Never mind. Premium shop description says secondary gun may quote surprise people. Um, I don't know who you're surprising with a 102 millimeter gun that has a, uh, what is it, 313 meter dispersion, meaning it basically won't hit anything because it has a four second reload time. But yeah, that's what's taking up your extra torpedo slot. Thanks, Poland. I guess, I don't know, maybe it was useful in real life, wasn't useful in World of Warships. We couldn't have taken that out, couldn't have added another torpedo tube with all the things we've been modifying with ships from real life to World of Warships. You couldn't have just slapped a torpedo tube on there. Whatever. Anyway, so you only get one of them. You get or one launcher or four, so quad launcher. Uh, yeah, and the torpedoes do 10,700 damage apiece, meaning you cannot one-shot any battleship in the game that you will face. At all. Assuming they have no torpedo damage reduction. Yes, that is true. Detectability range is also a atrocious 1.6 kilometers. Now, this does give your enemy 7.8 seconds to react, so if you do the math on how fast these torpedoes are coming in, it doesn't give them a whole lot of reaction time, but you can see them from pretty far away, so it's... It, it, it's kind of, it's mediocre, I guess. So, yes, they're coming in much faster, but still, you see them a whole half kilometer sooner than even the normal British torpedoes, which are, I think have a 1.2 kilometer concealment. So, yeah. And the aiming sector, oh my god, is it bad on this ship. It is. You basically have to give straight broadside to get your torpedoes away, which is not cool because uh, the torpedoes aren't useful to begin with. So, yeah, that is the bad with the Orkin. It... It struggles in dealing damage sometimes, but the AA defense is nothing to scoff at. You do a thousand DPS in your max, well, okay, maybe it is a little bit to scoff at. Yeah, never mind, hang on a sec, I forgot the uh, mid and close range auras are kind of bad. The thousand DPS in AA defense for your far range isn't bad, it has a 5.2 kilometer range, which certainly isn't anything to scoff at, but it doesn't have that, uh, that goofy gamer um a that the holland has or anything like that no you're not going to be stopping strikes from from a uh, nakamov or anything like that no nothing crazy like that just the kind of a goofy uh uh flat configuration has two outer explosions and um no inner explosions and a reload time of five seconds and damage of 1260 actually no sorry that's the flak damage no it does 35 dps and aura wow i can't read yeah so never mind awful aa i must have been thinking about a different ship that i have that has good aa maybe it was the forest sherman i don't know anyways um so back to survivability you have 18,500 hit point space which is decent for the tier decent it's like middle of the road you do see some that have like 14,000 hit points i think one of the japanese ones is like an absurdly low amount of hit points but yeah this is remember this is the tier you're facing at kazuki and you're facing the whatever the german thing is called that has like an absurd amount of hit points and you're you can face the forest sherman you can face like the well you can face rugamo in this thing i mean that's a cruiser essentially and you got 18,500 hit points no torpedoes and a 4.5 second reload yeah Things can get interesting in this ship. Anyways, so the fires, uh, 30 second standard, so you'll take 1,000 damage from that, and then the flooding is 40 second standard, and you'll take 1850 damage from that. 
Concealment is actually pretty decent. 5.9 kilometers base. Actually, no, this isn't base. Never mind. That's with Concealment Experts and the Concealment Module. <laughs> no, if you take that off, you're going to have like a 6.5 kilometer concealment. Ooh, 7.29. <laughs> yeah, concealment is mandatory. Yeah. <laughs> it's bad. It's bad. Yeah, I forgot how... I mean, I haven't played the ship in a little while, but I... Forgot how heavily this ship pays for its party tricks. Um, yeah, so maximum speed of... What do you think the maximum speed on this ship is? If you if, if you know, I'm sure you already know. But if you don't know the Orkin, the maximum speed is actually less than it was in real life. Which is rare, because usually World of Warships ups the speed a little bit to you know quicken the pace of battle. But yeah, 35 knots instead of a normal 36. Yeah, you do have a 590 meter turning circle radius, which isn't that bad, and a 3.7 second rudder shift time, which isn't that bad, but yeah, 35 knots, it's a little slow, a little bit slow, and you do you do have your speed boost, but it's only 8%, you do have your, obviously, damage control party, uh, so you may be asking, hey, uh, Jaden, what's going on with this ship, why is it, uh, why is it worth even looking for? Seems kind of terrible so far. And, uh, yeah, you, uh, it's a fair, uh, fair point. Um, does have a repair party, though. Yeah, in tier 8. Mm -hmm. Repa repair party. Three consumables, 1.2% HP per second, and a cooldown timer, 76 seconds, and action time of just 10 seconds. So, uh, so yeah. Yeah, that's that's what you, uh, what you're dealing with. Let me hang on. I'm gonna I'm gonna pause my recording, and do some quick math, see the maximum amount of HP you can recover. Remember, this is boosted, by the way. I think it's one percent without. Ind I have India Delta on. I think it's like one percent. It's it is yeah one percent health per per second. So let me do some math, see how much health you can gain back. Yeah, so I just did some quick math. Um, I forgot that I actually have the uh, survivability expert skill on. So the base health of this ship is 15,700. So yeah, survivability expert, also mandatory on this ship. Uh, even over adrenaline rush. Yes, you heard me say that. Even over adrenaline rush. Survivability expert is mandatory. So with that, um, with, with, with my... Uh, with my survivability expert on, uh, but no uh, boost to your heal, you'll gain back a measly 18,000. Oh, wait, no, 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 no. Hang on a second. Hang on, I'm, I'm reading this wrong. 1,850 damage, <laughs> or HP, per charge. Yeah, so a high explosive hit from another destroyer. Yeah, mm-hmm, yeah, that's his party trick. Oh, 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 hang on a second. If you get 1.2%, Remember, 1.2%. Let's do the math on this. Times 0.1.2 times 10. Oh, 2,220. Yep. 2,200 hit points. And, uh, yeah, you gave up concealment for that. <laughs> you, you, you gave up your good concealment from the British to get a 7.9 kilometer concealment. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The other party trick, however, and uh, I'm sure many of you are raging at the screen right now, or raging into your earbuds, I guess, if that's a thing. Um, it does get surveillance radar. Yep, on a destroyer, surveillance radar. Detection of ships is 7.5 kilometers. Number of consumables is 3. Cooldown timer, 114 seconds. So a minute and 16 seconds. I think that, yeah, yeah, something like that. 
never mind, it's a minute and 54 seconds, I can't do math. Um, but yeah, so a minute and 54 seconds cooldown for 20 seconds of radar. Yeah, 20 seconds of radar. Uh, that's with your, uh, your consumables, uh, boosted, by the way, with, uh, November Foxtrot. So yeah, that, 20 seconds is nice. I'll, I'm not gonna, li- I'm not gonna lie. It's better than, like, what, was it the 7 second radar that the Panations get or something like that? I mean, it, it's, it's pretty nice. Um... It, it surprises people. People forget the Orkin has uh, surveillance radar, and it catches them with their pants down every once in a while. Um, but yeah, that kind of that kind of leads me in. What do I think about this ship? I disclaimer: I believe I got this in a Santa container. Yeah, I got it in a Santa container last year. So uh, yeah, it's it's an interesting ship. Like I don't really do especially well with the ship. I'm not some cracked like streamer in this ship like i've never just carried a, a game in this ship it's it's kind of like a dzp which the seven province and if you are uh provincia if uh you are new to my podcast that's my that's what i call it it's kind of like it's a support ship it kind of is right it's it caps pretty well um even though it doesn't do especially well in knife fighting i mean it can hold its own right it's pretty maneuverable actually you know we'll give it very maneuverable it's very maneuverable it's not super fast but it's very maneuverable um and it i can cover a whole cap with its radar so you can if uh someone comes out to fight you and you have a bunch of teammates or something like that and they start smoking up then you just pop the radar and then uh give them hell basically um but yeah it's it gets a little rough sometimes where you'll just you'll be fighting i don't know maybe you get caught out and you'll be fighting like a like akazuki and that thing is just smacking you to smithereens and you're just you're firing every five seconds basically a a salvo of six shells that are 120 millimeter caliber barely denting the the plating on the destroyer especially if it's like one of those german things or i think the the, yeah the soviet destroyers it just ignores your damage it's a great feeling just watching the shatters on the side of a of a soviet destroyer and you just doing nothing and be like people you use the armor piercing (laughs) haha ricochets um yeah so it, it can be a little rough with this thing i'm not gonna lie i don't even before we get into how you're supposed to play the ship, I don't know if I'd recommend it. I really don't. I got it for free from the container, and it's it's not a bad ship. Like it, it it's not atrocious. I but it's like there's so many other good ships you could go buy at tier eight and tier seven. It's like if you want something that has like DPS or something like that, just go get a Vimer for the same price. Like I mean, it's tier seven, yes, it's not tier eight, but like it'll be around the same price. Or that, or if you just want to shell a little bit more money, go get yourself a Mines. Okay, go don't mess around. Go get yourself a Mines or something like that. Don't like or go get your actually no 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 go get yourself a Cossack. Like what are you doing messing around with the Orkin? Go get yourself a Cossack. You'll be happier. You'll thank me later. Don't, don't mess around with the Orkin. Okay, now that those guys are gone, um, Orkin for the rest of us who hate our souls and our happiness, it can be good sometimes, like really good sometimes, right? When you have a destroyer that you've beaten the crap out of, but is still really dangerous to you. like say a torpedo destroyer, right? You beat the crap out of them in a fight, and they smoke up and they start to get away, right? Normally, in a normal gunboat destroyer, you'd be like, well, guess that's that. Try to blind fire him a little bit, miss, come back, torpedo you later, right? 
that's that's what they do, right? Now the Orkin's like, aha, I've got you now, and then pops the radar and like essentially just smacks him back, right? Now that is very powerful. It's powerful for map control, and even if you don't smack people with radar, just getting intelligence on where people are, where they're moving, and maybe what they're planning to do is extremely valuable to your team, right? That's why radar ships are so prized and competitive. Um, so that it's certainly very valuable. However, you don't have that smoke radar combo. You don't have hydro, which I guess isn't super uncommon on destroyers. But the fact that you don't have a smoke screen and your top speed's only 35 knots is a problem. It's a big problem. Because even something as slow as the Forest Sherman can pop its smoke and kind of figure out what it wants to do. With the Orkin, you are screwed. You are screwed. And you are going nowhere fast. So that is something that you have to be careful of. This ship has a very, very high skill floor. It has a habit of just getting caught in the open or caught somewhere it's not supposed to be and then deleted. And radar is not going to save you then. And I'm sorry, I know it says it gets a heal and everything like that, but it's good for healing one high explosive hit from a cruiser. Yeah, so let that sink in. One high explosive hit from a cruiser. It's, the heal is kind of irrelevant, it's like, yes, you have it, and yes, it can give you a little bit more of a chance in gunfight, with, and I know every every hit point counts in a gunfight, but still, it's like 1,000 hit points, come on, you couldn't have made it active for like 15 or 20 seconds and just thrown us a bone here? Like, come on, Wargaming, my god, it's like, so, in random battles... A questionable usage, I guess. It's very, very situational. Yes, you can contest caps in it, and it can be good contesting caps in it, but notice the, the tone in my voice. It's like, it can be good in, ca in caps, but it can also turn south really fast. Like, really fast. Because if, you if you're contesting a cap and then a... Destroyer smokes and you pop your radar and oh my god, there's a Des Moines there. It's like, yes, okay, yes, I understand you should see the Des Moines. They're kind of an idea of where they're going before you commit, and I understand. But a lot of us players, and even sometimes myself included, don't have the best situational awareness, kind of make a mistake or something, and it tends to be nice to have your premium ship that you paid for kind of forgive you for it. The Orkin doesn't do that. It just... It returns you to port really quick so you can learn from your mistake from the replay. I guess that's convenient. Well, the replay doesn't come out till the game's over. Well, uh, I guess not. It returns you to your port quick so you can do it again, I guess. If you want to play a lot of games, it works pretty well. <laughs> I mean, and it can... It's good for shooting over islands. That's that's good. I mean, it has really low shell velocity. Good luck hitting anything past 9 kilometers. Have fun with that. The shelf light times are upwards of 15 seconds out there. <laughs> yeah, it's... Oh, it can be rough sometimes. Actually, you know what? Let me get the shelf light times out for you. Because these... It, it seems very, very long. Like, very long. And it doesn't seem fair to the Orkin to give a specific timer so okay so max where the max range of what like 11 kilometers i think we said 11.11.61 kilometers so 11.61 kilometers 11.6 yeah 11.617 look at a nine second shelf light timeout to 11 kilometers yeah that is bad so it 
there's a lot of bad things about this ship. Like, a lot of bad things about this ship. But it's still kind of good. Like, if you can figure out how to play this ship, you're kind of unstoppable. And I've seen it in brawls. This ship is insanely good. Now, it'd be it's 1v3 or 1v1, or not 1v3, 3v3, 1v1, 2v2, something like that. Like, yeah, this ship doesn't do that well. But, like, when you get, like, the 6v6 brawls, or when they have those, uh, or, like, it's ranked, also pretty cracked and ranked. Like, when you get those game modes where you're pushed a little closer to each other, ranges are pretty close, people rely on concealments and smoke screens to move around. And if you can totally ruin that just with a snap of a finger, and, or, well, a press of a key, rather, and... And then you can see everything is pretty powerful and this thing works excellently in ambushing other things right because we all know that this 40,000 damage maximum in torpedoes isn't really going to do much to a battleship it's not that kind of torpedo destroyer but they do reload in 70 seconds so it's and they are, do travel to their maximum range of 12 kilometers which i forgot to say earlier very quickly so they're great at, uh, I guess, preventative torpedoes, or prospective torpedoes, right? Just throw them, right? Reloads, throw them where you think the enemy's going to be. And you'd be surprised how often, when you go fishing, you catch something. It's, they, people love to suck on these, uh, see, bratwursts, I guess. Well, that's not German, never mind. They love to suck on these things, right? It, they, they chew on them all day long, the metal fish. Apparently very appetizing, blows holes in the hull like you wouldn't believe. Very, very effective for prospective torpedoing. No, suicide rushing, wouldn't recommend. Uh, engagement distances on this ship wouldn't approach closer than 7 kilometers, maybe? Like I said, I know your, your radar range is only 7 5 kilometers, but it, you really want to limit how often people are in that range. <laughs> like, you should have no more than one ship within that range in open water at all times. And I guess that's kind of the rules of destroyers. But, like, if you have people closer than that, you run them dangerously closer, being closer than your consumer uh, rating. And, uh, yeah, then once they get within your consumer range, you are 100% screwed. Unless you can finish them off, you are 100% screwed because you're not getting away from anything because everything's faster than you and you can't drop smoke. So you're screwed. Now, when you have islands, that complicates things because you can pop radar and then spot up your team. Your team can take care of them, which makes it a very dangerous situation for them to be in because for 20 seconds, there are they, their location is being telegraphed to everyone else. Um, so yeah, that is something that you would definitely want to know. So how... How do we actually play this ship? Well, that depends on what game mode you're playing. For randoms, cautiously. <laughs> cautiously is how you're going to play this ship. You really, really don't want to be aggressive in the uh, the opening parts of the matches. The Orkin tends to shine more as the match goes on, and I know that's for a lot of ships and things like that, but I cannot overstate the danger of walking into a cap and not knowing what you're doing in this ship. It's much like the Forrest Sherman. If you get in a cap, you better have support, or you better kill what's ever in there, otherwise it's not going to end well for you. There's essentially no escaping. That's actually, no, that's a good way to play this ship. Assume you have no escape. <laughs> Assume you have no escape. Because 
that's often what happens in this ship. So if you're going to take a cat, be absolutely sure whatever's in that cap you can kill. Like, be absolutely sure. Don't rely on high damage. Don't rely on good damage rolls. Don't rely on hitting it every time. If it's above half health, you probably shouldn't be shooting at it. And I'm not even just saying, like, oh, if it's, like, if it's, like, a gearing, like, don't go there. I'm like, no, if it's, like, a Japanese torpedo destroyer, like, you might have a chance, right? And even then, you want to second-guess yourself because they hit very hard, um even though they don't hit it that often. So you want to be really, really careful with that. Now, if you're saying that no one's going for the cap, or there's really good island cover around the cap, then yes, you want to push up, and you want to push up straight to those islands. You want to sit right behind those islands, because then you can get radar coverage, right? And remember, your radar coverage isn't much use to your team if you're dead. So that's it. If, if there's islands around the cap, go, or do not, or no, if there's islands around the cap, go there right, it goes straight to the cap, and it's not even, like, uh, like, don't, don't go into the cap, don't go around the islands and into the cap, that's not cool, right, but if there's islands in the cap, and you can kind of sit behind them, definitely take that, but if it's islands behind the cap, take those islands, right, take those islands, gather intelligence about what's around you, and then make a decision based on that, do not go rushing into the cap, this thing doesn't cap well, it defends caps well, it doesn't actually take them well, so note that, if there's no islands around the cap, if it's a more open cap, or if they have islands and you don't, do not go there. Do not go there. It will not end well for you. You may consider going to the middle cap. You can do that sometimes. It sometimes works, but it's very situational, right? Like if they're going hard to the flanks and fighting each other, uh, your team and their team both fighting each other hard on the flanks, so you don't think there's really anything that you can't kill in the middle, then yeah, maybe go take that for your team. But if they're not pushing super hard on the flanks, and there's a possibility of having some decent amount of ships, or ships that have range and shots in on the middle, and if you get spotted, you could get deleted, like, don't go there. Don't do that. Like, don't take that risk. Right? I'm not saying sit in the back of the map. I say this every episode. Don't sit in the back of the map. That's not what I'm saying. But don't bull rush them and expect to survive. Now, in the later stages of the game, you're kind of a hunter-killer. Right? That's what the Orkin does best, is relying on ambush tactics, right? Being really aggressive and going and getting something and then kind of laying back a little bit. Like, not really doing that much, just gathering intelligence, maybe flipping a few caps here and there, right? It's very it's very much an opportunistic ship, right? If you see an opening and you think it's advantageous, you have the upper hand, take it. But don't get in sustained gunfights, don't, like, get in torpedo wars, don't suicide rush, like, don't do any of that, Right? Might bide your time, you get some damage on something from around an island, maybe help out some teammates a little bit, uh, keep throwing those torps, as I said, throwing torps is your lifeline, and uh, often gets you a decent amount of damage over the course of a game, especially if you're good at aiming them, and remember, they have the narrow spread torps, because they're European, um... Yeah, then then that's how you're gonna spend your middle game, and then towards the end game you start picking off ships specifically, cornering them, dealing with them, and then going on. Right? Your goal is to not be at 900 hit points by the fifth minute of the game. That is not the goal of the ship, right? You want to conserve your hit points because the higher health you have at the end of the game, the more dangerous you become. Because this ship is equipped to operate self-sufficiently, very well. It's 
when you go up against an enemy group, or things kind of get interesting when you can't corner them with your radar and stuff like that. So, in brawls and things like that, that becomes a little different. Now, you can get more aggressive there when there's less ships in the map, there's less gunfire coming around, there's less things to watch. You can play a little more aggressive there, in certain circumstances, again, there's always an asterisk, remember, in certain circumstances, and it can be very powerful. Uh, I see a common player in, uh, or a common ship used in, in uh, brawls and ranked and things, the Lo Yang, right? Very, very good ship. It's got the hydroacoustic surge, the choice of torpedoes, very, very good ship. This thing is its kryptonite. It, the low yang will come into like a cap or something and try and hydro it and this thing will radar it from outside of its hydro and usually have its team nuke it i've seen it happen many times in ranked battles and i know there's probably some people who are disagreeing with me but i've seen it happen a couple times in ranked battles and it, it was very good right and granted this player of the orkin was very good and i've tried it a few times and it is hard to do I, i've failed a few times i'm not gonna lie right but you can do it <laughs> You can do it, and it's very trolly, and it's fun. <laughs> so that is something that keep in mind for ranked medals and things like that. You can't be more aggressive, right? You can be more aggressive, but I don't mean by aggressive like rush in, expect to kill things with your torpedoes and your guns, right? Because you will leave the game very quickly, and not by choice. So it it's an interesting balance, right? This ship... It, has a very high skill ceiling. This ship has a ton of potential. And yes, it has been arguably power crept by the new European destroyers that have smoke and radar and everything, but it has armor piercing in addition to high explosive. And that armor piercing is, uh, contrary to what uh, what you may think, tends to be kind of potent, I found. It is pretty reliable. Um, especially with the short fuse timer and things, you, you tend to get a lot of penetrations. Now, you do get a lot of ricochets as well because it doesn't have enhanced uh, armor piercing angles, but yeah, it's not it's not too bad. Um, nothing extreme like the uh, hot or anything. Like you're not going to be like citadeling battleships and things like that with this, but it's a reliable form of damage. So it's something to seriously consider when your high explosive isn't doing anything. Uh, what I find kind of interesting or kind of a useful strategy is to fire my high explosive until I get maybe a few fires. Which I mean, by the way, this is a common strategy. This is more for people who maybe haven't heard this before. I know a lot of you have, but fire high explosive till you get maybe one, uh, one, maybe two fires on the ship, right? That, and they don't damage control it. And then start loading them up with the armor piercing, especially if they're not angled to you. It works pretty well as a solid damage source. So, it's... This ship is insanely situational, right? Because there are some games, there will be some games, where you can bull rush into the cap, radar a bunch of things, kill a bunch of things, and essentially carry your team to victory. I've seen it happen to streamers and things like that. I've seen normal people do it. I've seen my teammates do it. And I've done it once or twice, right? Um, not as hard of a carry as you're going to see online and stuff like that. I'm not complaining or not uh, claiming to be some sort of super unicum in the ship. I'm not. I'm, I mean, my show is literally called Rank Amateur. But it can be done. And there will be other games where you will try that and die within the first 30 seconds of the match, right? You can't write a rule for this ship, right? It's very situational, requires experience. That's why it has a high skill floor. But it does have that really high skill ceiling. 
Now note, when you are retreating in this ship, you will have to show an insane amount of broadside to uh, get your guns off. So this ship does not kite well. It does not kite well. Do, do, like, it's not impossible to do, right? Obviously not. But it's not the best at it. So keep that in mind. When you want to retreat, preemptively retreat. And I'm not saying when, oh my god, we see a ship, let's start moving back. No. When they start coming into the cap, when you start seeing your team kind of starts to fold, get ahead of it, hop to an island behind you, right? Or hop to a position behind you where you can maybe fire... Uh, or you can turn around and start firing with more impunity, right? And firing from the front so you can show a little less profile rather than having to turn around and both gain distance and try and kite, uh, fire to keep them back at the same time. No, what you want to do is you want to gain distance, then turn around and fire. Then gain distance, then turn around and fire. You don't want to do them at the same time. It's not like a cruiser or anything like that. It helps you maintain a lower profile, and it also helps you keep your distance. Right now, it only has that 11-kilometer range, right? So you have to do this strategically, and it depends on the map and things like that, right? But that's an interesting strategy you can take rather than kiting and showing broadside and having to do the hippie-hippie shake and everything like that, right? It that it makes it a little less complicated in certain circumstances. Now, sometimes you just have to kite, and that's just how it's going to be. And, whoa, holy cow, this episode has turned into something that is, uh, well, not really a short episode. Huh, I always say that. It's going to be a short episode, and... It ends up being long anyways. But let's get to the summary of this episode. So how do we play this shit? Just the gist. Well, in random battles, you got to be very careful with the situation, right? Generally, go to the caps, right? Fight for the caps, but don't fight in the caps. Fight from a little outside the caps. Get your radar coverage on them, but fight from the islands, right? Have cover. Have a backup plan at all times, right? Assume you will be spotted. Assume things will go south and assume you won't be able to escape, right? Or assume that it's not going to be easy for you to escape. Have that escape route. Have those islands you can back up to and cover. Uh, have those ready, right? Because you cannot plan on things going well. Sometimes they'll go perfectly. Sometimes they'll be dumb and show broadside. Sometimes they'll be dumb and eat a torpedo. And then that's great. Then you can push further. Then you don't have to use those backup plans. But have them in case they are smart. In case they're a good player, right? You have to plan on that, right? And as the end of the game approaches, as or in the middle of the end of the game approaches, start picking off ships. You see a destroyer go off into a zone for your aircraft carrier, or maybe trying to get behind your team. Go for them, right? If you think you can take them, if you reasonably think that even without high damage rolls that you can take them, take them, right? Pick them off, right? They'll try to smoke away from you or something like that. Radar them. They won't be able to see it through, see you through their smoke, but you can see them, and then pick them off that way. And then at the end of the game, right, uh, obviously you'll be picking off the last ship. Maybe you won't have any radar charges left because you only got uh, three of them to start out. So that's why superintendent's really important. But, um, yeah. Oh, my goodness. You know what? I forgot to go over our uh, build for this ship. Anyway, wow. Huge detour. Anyways, let's go over that quickly. Main armaments mod 1, engine room protection. Uh, aiming systems modification one, propulsion modification one, and concealment systems modification one is the build you're going to do. There is no um, no other way you can do that, by the way. I would highly recommend not doing anything with that. Actually, no, I take the back. You can do surveillance radar modification one if you have that from the armory. That's the only thing that you're going to want to uh, change. You need concealment. You need... Uh, I guess unless you're a steering juker, which I have been converted to throttle juking, by the way... Um, 
then you can go with the Searing Gears Modification one, but otherwise don't do anything else. For the commander skills, for your first 10 points, you can go Preventative Maintenance, Last Stand, Survivability Expert, and Concealment Expert. That's your first 10, don't even question it. Right? You need the, the extra... Uh, you need to make sure that your torpedo tubes don't come incapacitated. Uh, you need to have that last stand. You need the survivability expert. You don't don't even look at any other skills until you have survivability expert. That is essential for this ship. Because it boosts your heal. It obviously boosts your hit points. And that's really what you need. And then concealment expert. Because concealment is garbage starting. Then after that you go for adrenaline rush. Then after that priority target. And super after that actually no you can do superintendent before priority target then priority target uh, hmm, what should we do next uh, you can do fill the tubes if you wanted uh, IFHE man um, 25 millimeters it doesn't really pass many thresholds so I mean yes you'll get some cruisers but it's not really worth the reduction in fire chance uh, with this build, you can't do Furious Brawler, so I guess you could do Main Battery A Specialist for the reduction in Main Battery Reload Time to 4.2 seconds if you really wanted to, but that kind of costs a lot, so I eh, fill the tubes for 10% faster uh, Torpedo Tube Reload Time. Now, if you didn't want to go for Adrenaline Rush, you could do Furious, well, you could do Swift and Silence if you wanted to. Um... But, yeah, uh, jeez, the 5% increase in reload time. I don't know. I feel like this is a pretty good build. And then for signals, uh, you're going to do Juliet Charlie for the uh, reduction in magazine detonation chance, Victor Lima, and India X-Ray for fires, India Delta for the heal, which is mandatory, by the way, Sierra Mike for speed, uh, which will get you up to, like, 36.8. And then um, after that, I guess... You can do the secondary flag if you want to go for the memes, I guess. Um, or November Foxtrot for the consumables as well. Uh, that works out well. Uh, but yeah, that's the build you want to go with this. It's kind of a skill-heavy thing. You definitely need a lot of skills to boost the ship to where it really isn't. It's prime uh, mandatory concealment mods. You're not going to want to go out with base concealment on this ship. Wouldn't even think of going out on the ship before I have it fully kitted out. It's definitely very reliant on those skills to ensure that you have the hit points you need that you have the consumables that you need to ensure that you have the concealment you need and that your modules aren't constantly breaking so definitely dependent on those would not go out without those uh the ship is pretty good in brawls i use it all the time in brawls um as far as like larger brawls now i wouldn't take this in a 3v3 or anything less than that I might take it in 4v4 might uh, if it's like a 5v5 6v6 like definitely take it there ranked it's pretty good i've had some success with it ranked um it is a bit of an acquired taste right it's not universally good and some would argue there's better picks out there like cossack or something like that and that may be true but for a hunter killer kind of play style that's kind of cool that you kind of just pick off ships one by one pick the fights you want because the concealment isn't too bad at 5.9 uh, it's definitely workable and the fact that you have that radar is super nice right you can pick them off and your your guns are pretty good they hit pretty hard they just take a little bit longer than we would like to reload you can hit people from behind islands and things like that while you're radaring them they won't even see you coming that's fun right that's how you want to play it in brawls right don't just bum rush don't sit in the back and just snipe right i guess not much sniping at 11 kilometers but but yeah so just i guess if you really want to boil it down to this super simple like two sentence response right you want to 
keep your torpedoes firing. Keep those preemptive torpedoes or prospective torpedoes, whatever you want to call them. Uh, just keep, keep preemptive torping everywhere you think the enemy might be, just to keep them on their toes. And it's only four torpedoes, but four is better than nothing. And then you want to just pick your battles. Right, pick your battles. Don't keep just firing like, on. Uh, don't, don't stay on the battlefront like with the battleships and with the um, cruisers like or line of battle. I guess is the term I was looking for. Don't stay there. Right, move around the map. Pick your fights. Make yourself hard to track. Right, you want to be the X factor. Right, you want to be the X factor. You don't want to be something that's just dealing damage like a cruiser would, or something that's just like smacking things like a battleship would. Right, because then they know where you are, and you're pretty easy to kill if they know where you are. Right, you want to be the X factor. And the best Orkin players I've seen out there are the ones where the enemy team does not know where they are. And I guess in that way, it's kind of like a Shimakaze. You you don't. Not being seen is your biggest advantage because then you pop out of nowhere, they smoke to evade you, you radar them, you kill them, or your team kills them. Right? That's where the Orkin shines. It doesn't shine in the line of battle, it doesn't shine trying to do like torp runs and things like that. You want to keep them confused and you want to be that X Factor. Launch those torpedoes like no other, right? And ensure that you have torpedoes in the water at all times. And then try and find things you can you can single out and kill. Right? I find that to be really successful. I know there's a few other ways to play the ship, but then it just becomes a normal destroyer, and that's kind of not what the Orkin's for. All in all, would I recommend this ship? Um, maybe? If you're really into that kind of playstyle, and that kind of like ruthless like assassin-style playstyle, I guess, if that still exists in World of Warships, but it's very situational. I feel like there's better ships at the tier, even though, as I, as you've seen, I've gone very in-depth about this ship. It, there's better ships at the tier. That's, it's sad, but cost next better. If I was buying, if I was shelling out my own cash for this thing and didn't just get it in the Santa container, right, I would choose Cossack. Right, if I had to pick a destroyer at tier 8, I would choose Cossack. It, no question, right, Cossack is not, I don't think even arguably, it's just a better ship. Right, it's got the smoke screen, it's got the hydro, it's got the insane concealment, it's got pretty much the same speed, and it's got an extra turret. And it's got, I think, got more torpedoes too. Or, no, same amount of torpedoes, extra turret, right? It's, it's better. It's just better. And yes, it doesn't have radar, but that's the only thing that this thing has going for it in a fight with a Cossack, which sometimes radar isn't even, like, part of the equation. Right, if it's on cooldown or if the radar is pointless, like you're both spotted, like classic will just hand this thing but a silver plate. So but if you get it in a Santa container, it's a nice surprise. Or a Santa container or a super container, whatever, it's a nice surprise. I wouldn't I wouldn't pout over it, right? I wouldn't be super mad about getting it versus something else, because it's a cool ship to play, it's an interesting playstyle. So I guess if you have the spirit of balloons or you're just kinda looking for something different. Yeah, Orkin might be for you. Yeah, I mean, this ship has its merits, right? But it's it's not for everyone, right? That play style is not for everyone. So just just be aware when you're when you're buying that. But that's gonna be all for me tonight. Well, or whenever you're listening to this, I'm recording this at night. But whenever you're listening to this, uh, if you have any questions, comments, so hopefully not concerns, but if you do have them, feel free to email me at raycamerashippodcast at gmail dot com. And until next time, captains.